Welcome. This is Melissa Hale Spencer, the editor of the Altamont Enterprise, and I'm very excited to have with me today Fazana Salim Ismail, who is one of the most intense people I've ever met, just brimming with enthusiasm for all kinds of things. And um, I met her originally over the phone because she gives birthday parties for homeless children. What an unusual and wonderful thing. But then she's come into our newspaper pages several times since because of her religion. She's become a spokeswoman for Islam in our local community. So welcome, Fazana. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's great to be here today. Well, I just would love to find out as much as I can about you in a half an hour, <laughs> which is going to be hard. But just start wherever you feel comfortable. I think Maybe your upbringing would be great to hear about. Sure, sure. Well, I was born and raised in Staten Island, New York, um, which is um, a pretty conservative um, area of New of New York City. Um, and my parents immigrated from Sri Lanka in 1971, so I've just revealed. I'm close to revealing my age. <laughs> but, so they've been here a number of years. So I was born um, in Staten Island. Um, I, I went to. I used to love telling people um, when I was applying to colleges, I used to um, write in my essays that I was a Muslim girl who went to Catholic school and worked at the Jewish Community Center because that's that's who I was. Um, it was, um, we in, my par- I realized recently that my parents were in Sri Lanka and Muslims are a minority in Sri Lanka. So I think transitioning here was an um, was not as challenging for them because they were kind of used to being a minority. What made them decide to leave Sri Lanka and come to the United States? They, um, my father is a physician, and in the seventies, they were really looking for doctors from um, from South Asia, many countries in South Asia. And you'll see, um, even here in the Albany community, there's a lot of um, lawyer, uh, sorry, uh, doctors who came from Pakistan, India, Sri Lanka um, during the seventies because they were actually recruiting from those countries. So that's what uh, promoted them. To and come. did your parents feel welcomed when they came? Did they feel? Or how maybe that's a that question has a slant. How how did they respond when they? You've probably heard stories about their. You know, here. I think they they <clears throat> did. Um, you know, they they went into because my father had a job going in that, and, and I think there was a program set up. Um, so I think they probably they were welcomed by the community. Um, they they had some challenges. I mean, it was it was total culture shock for them. You know, they this was before the age of. Facebook or even regular phone calls, you know, I mean, they, they probably could call home once a week or a month of that. Um, so I think it was, you know, for them, it was different. My mom was, you know, it had never really been away from her family. So it was a new thing. But, you know, they, they really got involved in the community very quickly. And my, my father was a member, has been a member of the Rotary Club for as long as I can remember. Um, my mother was very involved in Various women's auxiliaries, um, and uh, she was she served as a mediator. So I think they, you know, they came from a background where community service was very important. Um, and both, you know, my both sets of grandparents were very involved in community service. And I think when they came here, you know, they wanted to get involved um, in the community. And um, so my mom was very active in the community. So was my father. And I think that help them, you know, um, get to know people in the community. And they're pretty much, they've been there for 40 plus years. So they're kind of fixtures there now. 
And what kind of a role did religion play in your life as a child growing up? I mean, how important was that to your family? It was really, I mean, it was it was something, we were always raised as Muslims, but, you know, it's it was challenging for my parents because, you know, we were, there wasn't a huge Muslim community in Staten Island in the 1970s, um, and certainly even smaller, if, I think they were the first Sri Lankan Muslims in, in Staten Island, so, um, but there were other Muslim, I mean, there are other doctors who came from Sri Lanka, from other of the ethnic groups, or, you know, from Sri Lanka. So there was a contingent of um, doctors who they kind of met each other. And so they formed that they had their own, you know, um, um, Sri Lankan community. But then they also kind of joined up with that. They got involved with the area mosque, um, which we refer to as a masjid. And um, so they got involved with that community so that because it was important to them to retain our religion as well as aspects of our culture, even though we were still here in um, in America. So they wanted to make sure they exposed us to the religion. They um, exposed us to religious practices that, you know, have been, that that, that we practice. And they also um, tried to make sure we went back to Sri Lanka at least every couple of years so that we could be exposed to, uh, you know, to the to our family members and just to be around other Muslims. So we could say, okay, this is, you know, this is what, this is why we're doing what we're doing. So we could, it could really make it come home. So it's really part of who you are. Yes. Definitely. I just describe a little of Sri Lanka to me. I... Of sure. course, I've never been there. <laughs> it's a wonderful place to be. I mean, I think one one of the things most people say when they um, go to Sri Lanka is that the people there are the friendliest people you'll meet um, anywhere in the world because, you know, they're always smiling. Um, it's it's a warm country. It's a tropical country. So um, people go there on vacation and usually hang out at the beaches. But the amazing thing about Sri Lanka is it's a tiny little country, about 17 million people, I believe. Um, but in this small country, you have beaches, you have wildlife reserve, uh, preserves, you have um, um, hill country, which, you know, they have tea estates. Um, they also have a lot of cultural history. I mean, you have, um, there is a structure built out of a rock um, uh, that people visit. So it's a really beautiful place. Um, I'm happy that now, I mean, Sri Lanka went through a really serious civil war for many, many, many years. And, you know, now the war has finally ended. Tourism is really picking up and tourists are coming. Not only, we, Sri Lanka used to have a large contingent from Europe coming, but now we're finding more and more American friends are going, um, which is wonderful. We want to promote that um, because it's just such a wonderful place to to expose yourself to different cultures and and you know really be treated with warmth and, and love when you're there so wonderful well you mentioned at the very start you're applying for colleges and what you you know described yourself as so multicultural in your application where did you end up where did you go to college I ended up going to Bryn Mawr College in Pennsylvania all women's um, college I'm very um, familiar with that I went to Wellesley so what made you choose that well interestingly enough um, when I was applying to colleges I was you know one of the first of my family if not the first um, to go away to school um, so the stipulation was was this if I was going away that now that I think back, it was interesting because I think my parents had um, this vision. I mean, as many South Asian parents do, that you know, to get into a good school. So I don't think it was ever a consideration to go to, you know, um, and they, they always thought I would go away to college. But so my parents said, okay, we're sending you away to college, but because education was always very important to them. Um, 
but they said that I had to go to an all women's college or um, an Ivy League with a um, with single sex dorms. So, so I was like, oh god, the pressure is on. Um, but um, as it turns out, so you know, they it was funny because a lot of my friends when I entered Bryn Mawr were laughing because they were like, well, they do know that you know Bryn Mawr is super liberal because you know, and I'm like, and I'm like, I'm not sure that that really factored into their thinking, but um, but so they so that was the so I applied to many of the women's colleges I loved um you know Pennsylvania was close at Philadelphia was close to um relatively close to home so um we settled on Bryn Mawr applied early decision and um yeah so went to Bryn Mawr beautiful it's it's a gem of a campus so how how did your religion play out in your college years well I ended up being the president of the Muslim Student Association um I it's funny I was also president of the International Student Association even though I wasn't an international student because I've always loved interacting with people from all over the world and all uh, different cultures. So, and, you know, I always consider myself bicultural because, you know, I was raised here in the States, but I went back to Sri Lanka enough that I felt like, you know, it was definitely a part of who I was. So, so I was, you know, I have friends from, you know, from all over the world. um, And, you know, I think part of me got, you know, it came into my religion even more when I was in um, Bryn Mawr because I had peer groups and, and, you know, we had more discussions. It may, it, sometimes when you're raised in a religion, you don't, you kind of just do what you're told, you know, as opposed to being, you know, exploring more. And, you know, that sort of happened, you know, I'm like, I'm Muslim and I pray five times a day. I fast during Ramadan. But, you know, that, but to learn more about religion, I kind of got involved with the MSA, um, Muslim Student Association. And, and we, you know, was, we had worked with dining services to get box lunches and box bar, you know, when during Ramadan and, you know, and then had celebrations. So, yeah, my religion. So you've really fun. always kind of been a spokesman for your, spokeswoman for your religion. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> Well, just before we went to our broadcast, you were talking about your husband, who's having this wonderful week reuning with his old classmates in Sri Lanka, and you told me something that startled me a little, because you seem like such a modern woman, that you your marriage is an arranged marriage. So tell me how that unfolded. Sure. Um, well, you know, when my parents um, were looking, I mean, when usually, in, you know, culturally, when, some, when a, a woman is cl- finishes college or gets her education, the next question is always like, oh, when's she getting married? So, you know, after I graduated from Bryn Mawr, my parents were starting to look for someone. They were like, okay, you know, people are asking what, what's happening. And for me, I wanted, my parents always said that they just they wanted me to marry a Muslim um you know I I think they, they because they wanted us to retain the religion and the culture um and they said to me you know they they didn't mind if the the person was from other countries it just mattered that they were Muslim I think they would prefer always prefer it was Sri Lankan but I actually wanted somebody who had grown up who was Sri Lankan in background because it was such a part of who I was or and who I am so um but we're I, I used to laugh and say you know we're slim pickings in it's kind of slim pickings because you know we're a minority in Sri Lanka which is a country of 17 million people and we're about 10 percent of the population what is, the, is it Buddhism, Buddhist, Buddhism? Yes, okay. yes and um <clears throat> so when my parent because my stipulation to my parents was like if you know anybody you know who is 
has been raised here or has lived here for a number of years. That was my thing. I wanted to make sure I, you know, had a, a partner who was familiar with my upbringing and how I was raised. Um, so, you know, when you talk, when you take that into the into play, you know, you're like, okay, we're a minority in Sri Lanka, and now I'm adding the fact that they had to live in America on top of that. You know, they had to <laughs> narrow you know, like, the okay. field. Yeah. So, um, so they introduced me to different people, and you know, I said, you know, so it wasn't like you know they just kind of you know they were going to spring me on spring anybody on me but they introduced me to different people and some seemed to you know mature for me and I didn't really you know click with them what happened with my husband I, I was was that my parents were like well what do you think of this this particular person and I was like well I don't know anything about him but you know I know we had mutual friends um I said we'll find out more information and let's you know and then we'll connect and I was actually in um Sri Lanka for a younger cousin's wedding um, and everybody you know it was funny everybody kept looking at me like oh you know next time it'll be you and we're sympathizing and I was just like I'm fine you know I'm really good but what happened was the day I was leaving um, a couple of hours before I was supposed to get on the plane my uncle came in to the room running in he's like congratulations you're settled and I was like that's the term for engaged in Sri Lanka which I find amusing now I'm like so the implication as I was unsettled before, I'm like, but I just looked at my mom, I'm like, what? You know, I, I was like, I didn't say. He, I'm like, he, Jeffrey said yes, and I was like, well, I didn't say anything. <laughs> so, next thing you know, so I'm, this you had met him before. I had and, seen him yeah, on a couple um, of different occasions, but never really like you know got to know him. So my parents, so I to this day can't remember that flight coming back from um, Sri Lanka because I was so like, oh gosh, what have I got myself into? And I came back and. Um, when I got home, my mom's best friend called me, and she's like, "So what? What's he like?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I have no idea." I don't. So he, you know, he sent me a dozen roses with the um, with the card set, saying, "You know, I can't wait to get to know you." So I was like, "Okay, that's a nice touch," you know. <laughs> and when we were talking, when we and we had our phone, first phone call, and you know, it just seemed natural. It cl- we clicked, and you know, it was it was kind of funny because one of the things he, uh, you know, it just it was we were actually talking about many different things, and you know, by the end of the first conversation, we were even like saying like you know, well, when do you think you know you're ready to have kids? And it was funny. It wasn't like we were like I was like we we're planning to. I'm like, well, I'm gonna wait, and he's like, so oh, God, oh God, thanks. I, so so do I. You know, I think we have time for this. So it was very natural, and um, my 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 grandfather actually wanted me to get married. We got married engaged in January he was hoping we'd have the wedding in April I'm like oh god no that's too soon I have to get to know this guy so we waited we had the wedding one year later but a few months into it I'm like oh god why did I wait so long why am I waiting so long you knew it was right I kind of did you know people always ask me you know what if what if it didn't you didn't connect and what if you know it wasn't the right fit and you always tell them you know I could have I mean it's engagement like in one sense but you know my parents were were not going to force me into anything like if they didn't fit you know I would not have been bound to, to this person I mean it's far better to you know break off an engagement than it is for us to break off a marriage so so people always you know were like oh my because they're shocked like they look at me because people who've known me for a long time are just like what we would never have thought that as you said you know people look at me as like this modern you know feminist woman and you know like I can't believe you did that but so yeah but you lived happily ever after isn't that great (laughs) so tell me now a little bit about how locally well first of all how did you come here how did you come to Gilderland Gilderland well we um we were living in various places but before 
before coming to Guildland, we were actually living in, we were in Sri Lanka for a couple of years. So should backtrack, what happened was soon after the um, tsunami of 2004, my husband and I looked at each other and we were like, you know, we'd really like to go back and help out. And um, we had a, you know, three month old at the time. So we're like, oh, can't do it right now. But we made plans to go back to Sri Lanka when she was one um, because we wanted to see what we could do because my husband's hometown was particularly hard hit. And um, so we, we, and we always talked about going to Sri Lanka to raise a family because it just was, you had the family assistance and it was just a wonderful environment in which to raise kids. So we went, went to Sri Lanka. We were there for um, three years. And then when, the thing is, when we came back, um, we could have stayed longer, but the economy here was tanking. We had a house that we'd given out on rent that we needed to, you know, kind of tie up loose ends. And so we decided to come back. And at that point, my husband's we had to look for jobs elsewhere i mean he's he's in the um in pharmaceutical sciences so um we he had a job in new jersey and that's where you know there's a lot of pharmaceutical com- companies but they weren't hiring so the choices were i think North Carolina, um, somewhere in Boston or Albany. We already had family in Albany, and we liked that it was relatively close to home, less expensive than Boston. So, um, so that's how we came. And here. your work too is in research science. Yes, right? yes. I'm a social scientist, though. I see. Yeah. So, what what is your work? I um I got my master's in public policy, and I focused on family and children's issues and food and nutrition policy. So, right now, where I I work at um, the professional development program, which is part of the research foundation of mm-hmm. SUNY, and I do evaluation research. So, yeah. so now I have all this background, <laughs> and I'm wondering how you develop this role as really a leader in educating people here locally about your religion. How, how did that evolve, and why are you committed to that? Well, you know, I think once I became a parent, it became really important to me not only to preserve my religion for my children, but also to ensure that they didn't face any discrimination. And um, what was maybe the impetus, like a while back, it kind of planted the seed, was when my daughter was um, in second grade, the, the, the grade my son is in now, she had to do, um, during the December time of year, a project um, on traditions. And at the time, we Muslims weren't celebrating anything. So I asked her teacher, could she do something on Ramadan, um, which is the month um, in which we fast um, from su- um, sunrise to sunset, from dawn to dusk. Um, but she she wrote a 10-page book um, with her own little handwriting mm-hmm. and pictures and pronunciations, and she put a lot of effort into it. And um, at the time, she, uh, you know, when the day she presented, she came home and she was kind of sad because she, she, as she said, she was like, well, nobody clapped for me. And, you know, as a mom, you just try to kind of dismiss them. I'm like, oh, maybe it was the end of the day. The kids were tired. She's like, but they clap for other people. I'm like, well, you know, there must have been a reason, you know. And so put that aside. But then three years afterwards, when she was in fifth grade, she said, you know, I didn't tell you something about that day. And I said, what do you what didn't you tell me? She's like, well, after I was finished, you know, one of the boys, we were packing up to leave. And one of the boys came up to me and asked me, you know, weird questions like, you know, are your parents bad? Do they do bad things? And just hearing that was like, wow, I was shocked that a seven-year-old could say that to another. And I'm like, wow, he's getting that information from somewhere. So then, then I'm like, wow, I didn't even see it. I didn't even know that it was existing um, in our community. And then when, you know, fast forward a few years, we hear the incredibly negative rhetoric that about Muslims in the presidential campaign in 2015 um, was just reaching a really 
like a strong, it felt like every candidate was saying negative things um, about about Muslims, and um, and I just kind of said I have to do something, and I put out on my Facebook page. I said, listen, many of my friends tell me that I'm the only Muslim friend they have, and that's how they view the Islam is through the land through me. I'm like, if you have that suggests to me you come from communities which don't know Muslims and personally, so I'm willing to talk to your you know talk to your family, talk to your friends, go to your church, go to your, you know, Girl Scout meetings, schools, whatever it takes, because I really strongly believe that, you know, personal connections build bridges and break down stereotypes. You can't, you know, sometimes you can, I, I, I am a pr- huge proponent of reading books to do that, but you have to, sometimes if you already come from a negative slant, books aren't going to change your mind. You need to interact with an individual. So that was the start. So how has it progressed? How, what kind of... Um challenges have there been and what kinds of rewards have there been in being really out there because I have to let the listeners know I mean I went down to a rally the same day the KKK was having a rally in the Carolinas celebrating uh, Donald Trump's inauguration Fazana was one of the organizers of a local rally in Albany and she was up there at the microphone and really moving the crowd and I just wonder you know what that's like for you because you don't really seem like a um, a person who is self-aggrandizing you know you seem modest and you know it's interesting that you mentioned the word modest because modesty is a part of being a Muslim you know and it's part of the reason why many Muslim women wear the hijab that's a physical manifestation of modesty but I think um, you know I kind of felt like I had to I just we have to be more out there more visible um, in doing things for the community so that's what you know it it was about for me like I mean I felt like you know it's funny I've been thrust into this role you mentioned um my um my project Jazzy Sun Birthdays you know um and I never when people interview me about that never say you know I'm a Muslim woman who's doing this project it doesn't it shouldn't matter but I feel like we need to have more stories in the media about Muslims doing good things because too often you know the you know many of the stories are negative um but this you know since I put out the offer to talk to people I've gone to um, Girl Scout troops, um, middle schools, high schools, churches, um, insurance uh, professional meetings, you know, <laughs> I, you know, various, various groups of people um, because people want to learn. And, you know, and it's been generally positive, the reaction. I think, you know, we live, you know, the capital region is generally you know, very accommodating to people of other cultures and backgrounds. Um, but there, you know, we're finding out now that there are people coming out of, you know, whatever bias closet they were in and, you know, are being more vocal um, negatively, which is why I, you know, it's important for me to continue this work. But every time I go and give a talk or serve on a panel or do an Ask a Muslim table, I come out with more friends. Um, and, and, and my goal always is to raise awareness so that if an individual, I tell people, you know, it's not enough for me to speak out on behalf of Muslims. I need, we need allies from other communities to do it as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm here, I, I see more of my friends posting on Facebook, you know, as a result, or if, you know, if they've come to present, they have more information that they may not have had before that they can counter people who, you know, raise negative 
comments, they can say, well, no, that's not true because I know this because a Muslim woman said, said this to, in, during her presentation about Islam. So that's, that's the goal. So you're destroying stereotypes. Has it, how has it affected your children? You mentioned, you know, this really poignant incident that started you on this journey. Um, have your children, how have they reacted to your um, being this kind of a spokeswoman? Um, well, I think they, they like me home more often. <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, particularly my, my daughter, um, who is 12 now, I mean, she is really soaking it all in and she, she, she went with me to the, um, women's march, um, on the day after the inauguration day in DC. I mean, and she, she's realizing the importance of, of activism. Um, you know, and it's, I think they view me as, you know, somebody who's not going, who's going to fight for what's right. And they know that that's, that's always important to them. I mean, I think she is trying in her own ways to kind of make an impact in middle school, too. Um, so like how, how is that? She's, well, I don't want to say too much because she hasn't really, it hasn't materialized yet, but she's trying to start a new club. And, you know, I and it's still in formation, but it's basically the goal is to bring people from different backgrounds together. So um, because she, she wants people to know in different communities that there are allies. I mean, she, throughout her life also has, just like me, has had friends from all different backgrounds. And she wants it known that you know what this is what we stand for, um, and so she's she's that. And my my son, um, he also is a very kind soul, but I think he he's he's seven. So at some point he's like, do we have to go to another rally or do we have to go to another march? But I think it exposes them, you know, and I think um, it's it's important. Um, sometimes they you know they they worry. I mean, my daughter's a little older, so we had an incident on one of my talks where. Um, Somebody wasn't um, was kind of went out of control, and it was um, it was hard for them to see that somebody treating their mom that way, or like, or, or were concerned about me. So, um, but other than that, they're very supportive, um, and you know, they see me struggling to kind of stri- strike a good balance between you know my 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 being a mom to them and a and you know running the the um, birthday parties and then trying to do these talks as well, but. And also working full time and being a wife and being a religious woman. And I don't, yeah. Unfortunately, we're coming up on our half hour. Are there any like parting thoughts you would like our listeners to know either about you or your religion or something? You know, I sometimes miss the most important thing for people. Um. I would just like to be able to know that I am available to, you know, to come and talk to other, um, you know, to, to different communities um, within um, your listening area, you know, and whoever listens to this. I love, I, as you can tell, I love talking. I love meeting with people. So, um, and I'd, I'd ask people to, you know, who are still skeptical about Islam to, you know, make the effort to get to know Muslims, you know, if they see somebody in, you know, in, you know, in the gas station or whoever they, you know, strike up a conversation. You know, you may get to know somebody as an individual and it may, you know, change your mind about what you, you know, thought, saw on TV or on paper or, you know, whatever. Um, I think we need, my biggest, I tell kids all the time, you need to connect with other people. So, you know, you need to find out about them and get to know them as people. And then I think, if we all just did that more often, the world would be a much more ha- happy and peaceful place.